What are some of these places that you described as other places? What were they and where were you going on that path? I used to ride around on the buses all day until some of the drivers realised I was supposed to be at school and only started making rules that school children could only get on the bus at certain times or in holidays and things like that. And I used to go to the library and read a lot and then they did something similar and started kicking you out if you were supposed to be in school. So just used to find other friends that weren't going to school and hang around with them and just not do very much, really. There wasn't really anything to do because everyone was kicking you out and saying you're supposed to be at school. (laughs) Was this something that maybe became normal for you where you were just traveling around your city, enjoying the sites, visiting the libraries, getting the amenities of your city when in reality you should have been in school, right? Yeah, I was bullied a lot at school. And uh, when I was about 13 until the age of 16, I was in care and in different care homes and foster homes and things like that. So a lot of the time, I think at one of the schools particularly, the teachers, I think they felt a bit sorry for me. And I'd just turn up sometimes just after lunch and they'd say, where have you been? And I'd just say, oh, I've been sick. And they'd just leave it at that. And I think if they'd turn around and maybe been a bit sterner, it might have scared me into actually turning up for school. So they thought they were doing the right thing, but I think they were being too soft, really, and they should have been a bit harsher. Do you think that looking back now, as you're in a state of reflection, is that what you needed at that time? Was that like you yearning and maybe even crying out for someone to give you more discipline, more direction? I think so, in a way, because when I used to turn up and just not really get told off or get detention like everyone else would have did miss school, I just used to think, oh, this is great, I can get away with anything and nobody's going to say anything or do anything. And it was probably the wrong thing for them to do, but they didn't realise it at the time. I know as a kid, for me, um, one of the biggest thrills, even though it's wrong, was to be out just running the town and enjoying yourself right and I don't know how old you are but for us it was the rule that make sure you're home before the street lights come on yeah that was pretty much the doesn't matter if it's 8 p.m 10 p.m just make sure if the streets are on you're inside your house so it became a point where it was kind of like thrilling to say what if I stayed outside after the streetlights like what happens does the party start does it get cooler does all the adults come out <laughs> because there's this like mystery about being out after curfew so i can totally understand where you're coming from because it was such an experience to not necessarily break the rules but kind of bend them and see what would happen because you're so shielded and so protected um do you still have that desire to maybe just be out and about or are you more of like a reserved type of person today? I think I prefer to spend a lot of time to myself and with close friends and family but then I like having the choice of going to see people or going out maybe every now and then like a couple of months a couple of days a month or something like that. I know um, briefly when we spoke, you mentioned books and you've written um, books and you enjoy writing books. How much of yourself or in the books that you write? 
I've got a lot of different books. I've got one about a woman that's a ghost and she's solving her own murder. So clearly that's not autobiography, but biography, I can't talk. It's not a biography anyway. <laughs> and um, I've got a couple under a pen name Alicia Black, which is a long story that I won't go into. And they're women's fiction books. And I've also got zombies. But I think in some ways there's still a part of me in the character because I've got like a sarcastic and dark sense of humour. And that comes across sometimes in the books, even if the stories are fictional. I ask because I know um, when I interview people, um, I've been doing this for almost a year now, and each person I speak to, I try to include a little bit about myself in each and every um, episode or interview that I do, because many of the people, not all of them, but many of them that I speak to, the things that they speak about speaks to a part of my life. For example, yeah. with you, you write books and I love to read. That's why to pick your brain and to have this opportunity is a blessing because I can see it from your perspective versus mine because mine is just the reader and I can't wait to get the books in my hand where you're the person who's writing it and your perspective is I'm writing it to get it in the hands of people like me. So that's why I asked that question because is there even if it's a small part, are you including certain things about you, your personality, your experiences in these books, even though the characters may be totally different than who you are personally? Yeah, I think so. It depends what's going on at the time when I'm writing a particular book. Like there's one book that I won't mention what it is because I don't want to draw people's attention to it, but there was somebody at the time who was bullying people on, bullying, bullying me and some other people online. And he was using false names and we knew who he was, but with the false names, we couldn't prove it to do anything about it. And I went and used all these false names in the book of this character that was dodgy and he kept using false names to people. And I thought, well, if the guy does want to come forward and say, well, you've written about me, then he's first he's got to admit that he was the one doing the bullying in the first place. So looking back on your experiences and everything that you told me and the fact that you can reference certain parts of your life, I know you told me that you, when you lost your father, there's so much you wanted to do to honor his name and to keep his legacy alive today. Speak yeah. to us about how it was for you going through that experience and seeing this man that was so important to you go down the path and ultimately pass. Well, the Christmas before he passed away, in early December, I got a call from my mum and my dad didn't want to come on the phone and say it because I think he told a few people already and he just didn't want to say that he had cancer anymore. So my mum came on the phone and told me and I was shocked at first because I just never expected it. And my dad's worked all his life right up until just before he was diagnosed with cancer. So he was always on the go and he used, my parents had a dog and he was always walking the dog. And if I went over to visit, we'd be stopped every five minutes because it seemed like he knew everybody. And he'd be stood there talking to people for five or ten minutes at a time. So a half-hour walk would turn into a two-hour walk by the time we'd finished. 
<laughs> and then I'd be asking him, how do you know that person? He'd be like, oh, yeah, I worked for that person. And, yeah, this person is the sister of such and such. <laughs> so he, he was quite a character and everyone knew him and they all say hello to him in the street and everything like that. So it was just a bit strange because it's just the last person you would expect. And he'd stopped smoking a few years before. And he said to me afterwards that he thought he'd been lucky to avoid getting any kind of cancer. But apparently it was too late and he already had cancer by that time anyway. And that's the part that's yeah. tough because when you have someone that's so important to you, that's so close to you, and you see them one minute they're healthy and they're being loved and everyone in the neighborhood and the town and the grocery store is basking in the positive and happy energy that they have. And then all of a sudden they fall sick, you know, and they become a, at times a different person, but we have to remember them at their best, right? We have to remember them strong, happy, proud of the person, man, woman, or non-binary that they are. Um, what's a memory, besides one that the experience you just shared, what's a memory that whenever you think of your father, it just comes to your mind? Um, usually probably about food because he liked cooking and he loved all the food that was bad for you, but he worked as a window cleaner, so he wasn't too overweight because he used to work it off. And we used to go to the cinema a lot because he used to like the cinema. And there was this ice cream that he used to buy that he used to like. And it was three different ice creams and then all the little bits and pieces on top. And at the bottom would be a chocolate brownie. So when he's finished eating the ice cream, he'd have a chocolate brownie and he'd be eating that with a big grin on his face. <laughs> I'm thinking I got to go find that ice cream now because that sounds like it's, <laughs> it's delicious. I oh, did try listening. it once. It's very sickly, but I can see why you like the. <laughs> Absolutely. If you can find more information, please um email me that because I know we're going to keep in contact, and I would love to, to to know that because although I don't eat a lot of chocolate, more if I do, it's more of the yogurt ice cream. But to have a brownie at the bottom of the chocolate—that's like when you go wash your clothes and you go through the pockets and you find money. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness, <laughs> I am blessed today, right? Big smile yeah. on your face. You feel richer, even though it's your money and it's not like you gained it, it's just you found it, right? <laughs> yeah. So how's one of the ways that you're going to continue to honor your father as well as build your own legacy going forward? So to start with, I was into running for a while, but I can't really run now because I've got chronic pain. So after a couple of years of doing sponsored runs and realising I couldn't run anymore, I decided to use my writing to raise money for different cancer charities. So I organised an anthology and I got quite a few writers. I can't remember the exact number, but it was well over 35 and they all sent in work for free so we could donate money for the different charities. And they sent in poems and short fiction and non-fiction pieces about their own experiences with cancer. And some of it wasn't related to cancer at all because I didn't want the book to be like really depressing all the way through. And a few people had like funny stories and things like that. 
And when you started this, how important was it to start it? And how good do you feel that you're continuing it? I just felt like, because I couldn't run anymore, I wanted to do something every year that raises money for the different cancer charities that helped my dad while he was alive. And I just started sending the submission call out and I was really surprised by how many people got in touch and said, yeah, I've got this poem or this story you can use. And there was a few that we had to turn down because they didn't fit in with a book or we thought, well, we don't want the book to be like 200 pages long. We want to aim to get it about 156 pages for the anthology. And in a way as well, it's an ongoing thing because even though the initial sales were stronger than they are now, every so often people will buy a copy and it's there now, so it's continuously raising money, even if it's less than what it started at. That's amazing that you're doing that because you lost your father to that. And I know a few people that have also lost family members, loved ones, partners, children in some cases to, to cancer. And I want to let you know that what you're doing is making a difference because this is something that affects each and every one of us potentially, right? It's not something that is specific to this type of group, this group of people or this group of people. This is something that we have to fight as human beings. And as you're continuing to do the fight for that, what is next for Amanda going forward now? I will do another charity anthology again someday, but I'm not sure when, because I've got other at the moment, which is just royalties only for the writers involved rather than being for charity, because I believe in supporting writers as well with me being a writer. But probably next year or maybe the year after, I'll bring out another charity anthology and do the same again. But hopefully I'll have the advantage where I'll be able to promote this in person as well, because I was planning on doing that before. And then we had the lockdown and all the restrictions and it was solely online that I promoted it. So I had to just quickly learn everything about marketing books, but online and not in person as I'd planned. Do you see yourself continuing to make a, a difference in the lives of the next generation of men and women? Yeah, it was it was really touching as well, the stories that I got in. And obviously you can't ask somebody that sent a story in, is this a true story? But some of them was presented in a way where you thought, well, they could either be fiction or this could actually be a true story that's happened to the person. And there was one that actually made me cry when I reread it. But it, it was just like, it was amazing how many people actually sent in work, though. I was just a bit shocked about that. Yeah, you begin to realize how many people actually have their own story, their own journey. Yeah. Right. And, but how does that make you feel, Amanda, that you have people who are pouring their emotions, their energy, their experiences to you? They're giving you the words to be the voice for themselves. How does that make you feel? I just felt like I didn't want to let anybody down. And even though I was editing the book, I was really conscious of the fact that I wanted to keep everything as much the same as I could. So apart from 
maybe rewording something if the sentence was unclear and trying to correct mistakes. I wanted to leave it as much in their words as possible so that their story could be told. 